Welcome to We Live for Saturdays, episode uh, week 11, uh, flying through the season after an exciting week 10. Um, joined here by Chris and Maku, as always. How are you, how you guys doing today? Let's go, boys. Big week, big week. It's, it feels good. Feels good. Like you said, week 11, flying by. But I think we're starting to get to that point in the season where we're starting to see some of the teams settle in. We're starting to see really who the good teams are, but obviously there's some really good matchups coming up in these final, what, three weeks. So there's still a lot to look forward to. I also want to say it's hard to believe, but I think the season's been getting better week by week. Every time I'm like blown away by a game, we get two or three that are pretty much matching it. And, you know, some real good contenders for game of the year, but not coming out more recently than early on in the year, which is to be expected, but it's nice to see. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, looking back at week 10, there's a couple games like you were referring to. I mean, great games. Uh, obviously, there was the late night Washington um, USC game and then Shootout. the final bedlam, at least temporarily. Um, I know I know you introduced me or at least introduced some of the podcast to Ollie Gordon last week. I think now the entire world knows who Ollie Gordon is after last week, Baku. I love it. I mean, the guy just got hot at the right time and kept it going at the right time. And I was proud of my analysis with the uh, with the review there because I said if he can break it through uh, Oklahoma's defense and Oklahoma's, you know, kind of stays down from their rough couple weeks, they are going to have a big game. And not quite as high scoring as we've come to expect. It wasn't like 63 to 62, unfortunately. That would have been the, you know, icing on the cake for the final bedlam. But, hey, I'm proud for the uh, for the Pokes. Happy to see they can end it. I know the uh, win-loss record wasn't in their favor over about 110 years or something, but they, uh, they ended out on a high note, so good for them. I think I saw I, that they're um, – I think I saw that they're on the top of the Big, Te- Big 12 now, or at least like um... – at least tied or like something like that. At the top of the Big Twelve, you're either at the top of the Big Twelve or you're, I don't know, West Virginia. There you go, pretty good. Houston. Yeah. <laughs> Houston. Well, I was Houston's down. I was thinking that though because Oklahoma State, like I remember uh, reading up on them early in the season. Um, they, I mean, they they start they lost to South Alabama at home, thirty three to seven, which is yep. honestly crazy to think about now. Um, but they are seven and two. With their final three games, UCF, Houston, and BYU. Like, those are three very winnable games. And they got a 10-win season, and the two losses are a touchdown to Iowa State and then an absolute drubbing to South Alabama. I mean, who would have thought that? So, um, I think they settled in on, what's the quarterback's name, Bowman? And then, obviously, they found their star in Ollie Gordon. I mean, it's it just goes to show that, you know, I mean – you don't know uh, what's going to happen until the season starts because Mike Gundy sure as heck didn't know his own team when the season started. So now they've settled into a groove and they're kind of a Cinderella team for this season. Yeah. I mean, everybody gave up on them after that South Alabama game, myself included. I mean, I that's like, a oh. blowout. Like, like, we like, never oh, okay. see that. We're just not going to take uh, Oklahoma state seriously this year. And then uh, look at them just rattle them off. So I'm very uh, happy to see that. Um, other Big 12 won Texas versus Kansas State. Almost had an absolute implosion. They were up 27-7, to 7, I think, in like uh, with two minutes left in the third. Kansas State scored three touchdowns in about three and a half minutes. And 
that was a battle that went to overtime and K-State credit to them tried for the two-pointer and uh, just unfortunately Texas stood up at the right time but another nail biter and uh, another great one to, to keep an eye on on Saturday. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, talking about Oklahoma State, their sort of whirlwind or I guess uphill trajectory for the season. Talk about the inverse uh, out in Boulder. Um, it's funny when we look back at week two, week three, when we put out that little poll on Instagram where the, where the options were mm-hmm. CFP, 10-win season, or I think it was bowl eligible was the lo- the worst um option that we gave uh listeners to put and colorado is now four and five on the season and their last three games of the year this weekend they play arizona that will most likely be a loss and then they end the year at utah so very unlikely that um scobuffs will get to a bowl the the game between those two is washington state which is winnable but that'll only get them to five and seven and that's in Pullman. I mean, I I love how good the Pac-12 is. I mean, this year I, I like a lot of those teams. But yeah, I totally agree. Um, you know, I think it's just like Oklahoma State, like you said, it's the inverse. Who would have thought? I mean, I I think we all kind of knew it was maybe a little too good to be true. But a four and eight season after that starts with one and eight. That's, I mean, if they lose out, that's where they end up. Who would have thought that's what it would, you know, you got to play the games. Well, and, and honestly, it's funny to look back at these games that they played and the games that they started out the year top in the, they, they were ranked after a couple of weeks and mm-hmm. the teams that they were quote unquote solid wins, they, blew, they barely beat TCU in a shootout. Turns out TCU is a, very down year very and then yeah. and then and then they come back and beat nebraska the next week so those are their quote-unquote big wins on the year and those teams were one of the worst in the conference in uh, respectively and then started out three and zero against colorado state which no one really had too high expectations for colorado state so re- their wins are not good so it, it, it's it's really interesting like you said as far as the the landscape of college football completely shifts after those three four weeks to really figure out who's who's who. And TCU has um, uh, yeah, Texas yeah. and Oklahoma left on their schedule, so <laughs> it's tough. Anyway, sorry, go ahead, Maku. Um, no, I was going to say, kind of bridging the gap, Colorado. I think the last glimmer of hope they had for like, hey, are, are we actually good or not, was when they went toe to toe with USC. Mm-hmm. I think that's when people were ready to give up on them, and then they played them so well, but. Turns out that was just USC's defense being uh, historically <laughs> awful, which they continued to do. Yeah. Um, they're making Caleb Williams cry now, which is sad to see. Oh, um, well. If you guys saw that after he lost to, to uh, not Wisconsin, uh, Washington, very good game. It was 42-42 in the fourth quarter. And I was just sitting there, you know, watching probably like 11 o'clock at night with a drink in my hand being like, this is why college football is fun. This is why people love it. Because you don't get – you get that game – I think we had like three or four – of those real tight nail biters of like premier national names going toe to toe on a random college football Saturday. And you get that maybe once a year in the NFL, if you're lucky. So I think that's the, uh, the greatest thing about kind of the difference between the two, unfortunately um, for USC, they could not pull it off. Defense just kept giving up points. Obviously Penix is kind of probably back in the lead with the Heisman race. So um, all the credit to them. They're pretty darn close to going undefeated for uh, for the regular season, at least with the Washington Huskies. So we shall see. And by the way, when I said LOL, that was 
a reference to Caleb Williams mocking Max Duggan last year when he was crying at his press conference. Max Duggan did the same thing when Caleb Williams was uh, uh, crying in the stands this weekend. So he got he, his uh, comeuppance. You got to do it. Would say. I mean, I think TC would love to have Max Duggan back for another year, but mm-hmm. that's a different story. Yeah. And any other games that stuck out to y'all? I know um, Bam LSU. Um, I oh, yeah. will. Didn't even touch I, on that yet. I will call out that game at the very end or. Uh, Heck, I might as well just share it now, but LSU is the only team now remaining in college football that every single game has gone over. Um, USC has a lone under on the year, and LSU just automatic overs. They're playing Florida this week. I think it's 63, so that's just an automatic just hammer. So um, that was a fun game to watch, Um, and then – I know Air Force. That was one we were looking forward to. What the oh, heck happened with the Falcons out there? I don't think it's even fair to say we were looking forward to it. We were just like, <laughs> our boys, our our boys from Fort Collins, our troops are fighting Falcons. We were all in on the Air Force bandwagon, and then just laid an absolute egg. Um, was it like twenty to three or something? Uh, obviously, that just goes to show the service academies know each other more ins and outs than anything else. So maybe they. Uh, Obviously, they have a lot more um, training in espionage than the Michigan staffers. <laughs> so I think maybe they got some sideline spies as well. And by the way, uh, Colorado State is in Fort Collins. Um, but yes. Where's the Air Force Academy? <laughs> Colorado <laughs> Springs, maybe? Oh, that's exactly You know what? They what don't want to know. They don't want to know. Yeah. You, you, if you Google it, you say Air Force Academy location, and it just says <laughs> Air Force Academy, Colorado. It's It's... They they don't tell you. I respect it. Sorry. Anyway, um, but yeah, and that was at a, home too against Army. You should have had a little bit of home field advantage out there. That was disappointing for sure. Yep. But back to Bama LSU. I think Daniels, Jaden Daniels, probably comes out of the Heisman race, and I think Jalen Milrow, who got benched in week two or three, and Bama was pretty much canceled by everybody as a contender, are now firmly back in the entire race. They're what eight and one, nine and one, and. Uh, Prime for probably a Georgia matchup in the SEC championship. So if Milrow keeps playing like basically uh, prime Louisville Lamar Jackson, just either throwing it sixty yards or running it sixty yards, that's a pretty good, uh, pretty good guy to have for you. Absolutely. I I have a question for y'all. I saw it on social media. I thought it'd be kind of cool, but um, obviously the top four did not change in the CFP. Uh, still Ohio State, Georgia, Michigan, Florida State. And then Washington is the lone undefeated at five after that. Um, Out of the next six teams, Oregon, Texas, Alabama, Ole Miss, Penn State, and Louisville, I think one of those teams gets Louisville. Louisville. I think one of those teams gets in the playoffs this year. I think think it's possible, at least. Which one of those one-loss teams do you guys think has the best chance to get in? Well, I think that's why the top four doesn't usually shift. And for some reason, that was like a big headline I kept seeing, too. I was yeah. like, oh, top four is like breaking news on ESPN. Top four remain the same. Well, yeah, they all stayed undefeated. And they Ohio won, State yeah. was losing to Rutgers at halftime, fun fact. I think like nine to six, but then obviously destroyed them in the second half and does what great teams do and just rolled over them. So, but credits to Rutgers. They were a plucky underdog for, for half a game there. But, um, but no, they got the win. They 
handled them pretty easily and tore away from them and proved that they can remain the number one team. I think unless a team has a absolute like awful loss, obviously if they lose, they're going to drop. But even if you have like a seven point win, I just still don't think that's enough to really shuffle it up too much. And I think also the ranking staff is probably just like, Hey, you know, these two, two of these teams are guaranteed to play each other with uh, Ohio state and Michigan. And whoever loses that, we're probably dropping down a couple pegs out of the top four and see who gets back up into it. But I think my pick is uh, most certainly either Oregon or Washington, whoever wins that presumed rematch, which should be coming up for the, uh, for the PAC 12 championship. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, I think earlier this year I said there isn't that clear-cut great team, um, you know, le- le- in this year. But I think we've really seen the year turn into like a really deep top 10, top 15. I mean, I like Washington, Oregon, Bama. I mean, obviously a root for Penn State. We'll see what happens. Um, and then, you know, I, I think there's a T I think those top nine, and then it sort of drops off with Ole Miss, Louisville, Oregon state and Utah. But, um, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think it's the pack pack 12 winner of Washington state and Oregon that probably sneaks in. If I were looking at the top four and obviously, I mean, it's easy to say cause they're number four, but Florida state's definitely the weakest in my opinion. I think it's very possible they go 12 and 0. Um, they have Miami uh, this weekend and then North Alabama and Florida. Um, so they're, I think, very likely they could go 12 and 0. But, you know, I, I think they're going to lose to any of those probably seven or eight teams that I mentioned. Um, so but if I had to pick one, I think it's the winner of that Washington Oregon rematch. Hey, watch out for North Alabama. They, uh, I, w- I wish it was there because they are in a dry county in Alabama. So they literally do not drink alcohol in that. Um, I feel like half of Alabama and Arkansas are just dry. Fun fact. For but- a second there, I was like, what? I wish it was at North Alabama. Like, is there some <laughs> kind of a hundred thousand seat stadium? Well, at- they. They do have a purple and gold field turf. Actually, um, that's, that's Central Arkansas, I thought. Uh, same thing. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. The Lions, it, they look exactly game, but... alike. Um, anyway, I'm well, with you, though. Since when what, Florida State played Oklahoma in the Pop-Tarts Bowl bet last year? I don't remember that at all. I thought the Pop Tarts. Is that bowl the renamed Cheez It Bowl? It has to be. Uh, <laughs> you have to name it just after childhood snacks. Next year it'll be like the fruit roll ups bowl. But yeah, I, I agree with you, Chris, on Florida State. Their big marquee win to start out the year was LSU, and LSU probably has a worse defense than USC, and then they have not beaten a ranked opponent all year. Um, yeah. At least currently ranked opponent. So, um, I'd agree on that front. I like, I think Oregon, if they face Washington again, they're not going to lose to Washington. Um, that's my gut reaction. Um, and then obviously Penn state dark horse, if we beat Michigan and they steal some signs, run right and uh, figure out what's going on against Ohio state, we're immediately in big 10 championship. So never know. I got to tell you, I feel they're, they're giving me just enough, a, a little of hope. Um, I, I put together in the summer before the season started, Penn State, Big Ten champs, Bama, Big Ten champs, 
and then Ooh, that's, Lions. That's a spicy and, take right there. Bama, Big and Ten then, champs. What are the odds oh, on that? Okay, that was high. Um, <laughs> Alabama, SEC champs. Penn State, Big Ten champs. Bills and Lions, division winners. I, I The Alabama resurgence um, and Penn State hopes are really keeping my hopes up here. If Penn State wins this week, I think the Buffalo Bills are your weakest link there. Honestly, who would have thought? I know, right? No, I'm I'm going in with very tempered expectations. I think we got a little bit too high and mighty thinking that, you know, this was the year for the Ohio State game uh, a couple weeks ago. And I don't want to kind of shatter my heart into 10 million pieces again. So we'll make it like only a million if uh, this weekend doesn't go our way. But speaking of it, I think we got quite a few other very good matchups as well. Correct. All right. Absolutely. So might as well kick it off. Um Kicking it off, noon game, big noon Saturday uh, in State College. Um, Your hosts here, all three of us, the triumvirate, will actually be at the game. And we're going to get up in State College around Friday afternoon and and hit up the downtown. So you may or may not get a little bit of a um, social media engagement, some uh, some live content. So keep an eye out for that. I like yeah, it. Let me assure you, it is not a North Alabama dry town. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but it will be a raucous crowd, I will say. And, well, sorry, I I will get into my analysis shortly. So I'd say kick you, it Sam, off. But, yes, yeah, very excited. Kick it Ooh, off, yeah. Yeah, Michigan is four-and-a-half-point favorites. Started out at two-and-a-half, so it has moved a little bit towards Michigan side. Total 45 and a half, so they're about 25 to 20 expected score. Chris, what do you got? All right, well, I mean, we at the beginning of the year, I think we tried to be impartial, um, but I'm... We're not. Never! We're not. We're not. All right, so, um, I I mean, in all seriousness, I do think... um, Penn State, we've got to take shots downfield. We've got to test the uh, Michigan defense, and... I mean, obviously, not throwing the ball downfield um, did not get us anywhere with Ohio State. Michigan obviously has an extremely talented roster, um, you know, so we got to take shots and really got to push the envelope there. Um, Michigan offensive line hasn't been quite as impressive as last year, I would say, and our run defense has been a strength. So when you got Blake Corum and uh, Edwards and that run game, the big boys that Michigan have, you know, with the with the home crowd and the environment, I hope that, you know, we, we need to contain them, sort of um, really stay strong in the trenches. We've said it all before, you know, for us to take that next step, we've got to win this in the trenches. Um, the only other point I wanted to make is Michigan does not have Marvin Harrison Jr. So that is automatically an, another feather in our cap. Um And then, so yeah, I mean, we're going to be there. It's our first year on the pod. Um, I think it's just, it's meant to happen. Penn State money line. Let's go for it. Oh, also, (laughs) it should be a very good game um, in all seriousness. Michigan, four and six in Havoc and and Penn State, three and five. So top six. I mean, these are two, obviously, two of the best teams in the country. I think it's going to be a great game. If I were not a homer and didn't obviously bleed Penn State blue and white, I still think plus five and a half, um, or is it five now? Sorry, Sam. Yep. 
Um, I still think that actually is probably what I would do. But since we are who we are, money line. Sounds like a heartbreaking line right there. Just envisioning it. But I am excited to be back in Beaver Stadium. 110,000 people. Got to be one of the bigger crowds they've ever seen. I feel like they set almost set a record in, in the whiteout against Iowa. And that was not Iowa. really the marquee game of the year. So unfortunately, got to play the noon game late in the season. But we know it's the make or break matchup for, for all the marbles. So. Yeah, I don't really have a uh, an actual pick or analysis. I'm just going to probably lose my voice on Saturday and hopefully uh, call out of work on Monday. So we'll see uh, We'll see who we can do. Hopefully it's for too much celebrating and too much happiness. But, uh, but yeah, I'm just excited, thrilled to be a part of it. And um, let's hope for the best. Absolutely. I'm super excited, obviously, to be there. But previous years, like Chris, you mentioned um, – this game has been lost in the trenches, front sevens on both sides the past previous years. Um, since week five, I've been looking at, you know, I love my deep stats, but line yards ultimately um, shows how how correlated your, I guess, how impactful your offensive line is or defensive line to allowing yards. And Penn State has the second strongest defensive line in the country in that stat um, since week five, and Michigan is top 15, so obviously really strong, but both offensively and defensively, we are much more comparable within the uh, trenches there. So really excited about that. I think, like like Chris mentioned, um, Difference in this game will be who can hit the big play. I think uh, I obviously my pick's going to be Penn State money line, but um, <laughs> but I think we will finally figure out who our second wide receiver is. We've been relying way too much on the tight ends and Lambert Smith throughout the entire year. We need some some reprieve from them to spread out the defense. So going to say Dante the, Ste- Dante Cephas really stood up last yep. week. Um, well, my fear of last week is that we had such an easy cakewalk against Maryland. They didn't even really try. I will give credit to uh, Talia, though, to his brother. He uh, he was kind of slinging it. I think he got like 18 passes in a row, which is a pretty red, pretty big red flag. Um, but he was only going like kind of dink and duck around for three or four yards at a time. So I'm not <laughs> overly concerned. I would say J.J. McCarthy is a different animal. Dark horse Heisman, probably not even dark horse at this point. So um I think they are obviously going to score a good number of points. I'd put them around 24. And if we score 20 or 21, it'll be sad. If we score 27 or 28, we'll be very happy. So analysis. We're, we're both <laughs> going to stay in the 20s for sure. Yeah, uh, that, that's my call. I don't think it'll be a blowout in either regard, obviously. But as uh, as you guys said, big plays, probably the running games. Both uh, both teams have you know big name running backs, but Michigan's guys have just produced a hell of a lot more. So. That could be the uh, the storyline we're looking back on. We'll hope it's uh, it's in our favor, though. Absolutely. Just uh, insert the Michael Scott uh, gif of ready to get hurt again. And that is yep. us. So, <laughs> exactly. um, but yeah, running that money line. So excited about it. Moving into the SEC, um, Tennessee at Missouri. Uh, Missouri coming off their loss against Georgia, where they re- they really fought and kept it close, covered ultimately at the end of the day. Um, come back home against now ranked 13 Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee is a one and a half point favorite away from home. 
total is 58 and a half. So they're expecting a 30 to 28 game. Um, my, my read on this game um, for uh, Missouri specifically, obviously they came up short against Georgia Um Looking at their previous games, they scored 38 against Vandy, 39 against LSU, and then 38 and 34 against all the lower half defenses in the SEC. And then they come into Georgia, score round 20. And Tennessee, statistically, is a very similar team on the defensive side to Georgia, surprisingly. Um, so... My initial read, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for a low-scoring game or thinking it will be a low-scoring game just from a statistics perspective. Um, so I'll be riding the under, but uh, Chris, what do you got here? Yeah, I, I kind of lean the under as well, actually. I mean, you, you touched on Missouri's performance uh, last week. You know, they have impressed me. I mean, they, they hung right with Georgia. If it wasn't at Georgia, you know, it could have been even closer uh, had they, if they had their fans behind them. Um, so hopefully they don't have a big hangover from last week. I think there's a possibility of that on the flip side, Tennessee coming off an absolute cupcake performance. They crushed UConn. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think both of these team teams lean on the run. I know, um, uh, I forget the <laughs> I forget the Missouri co- uh, coach's name. Um, Eli Drinkwitz. Drinkwitz, yes, he said he is not comfortable with the Tennessee run game. So <laughs> I guess that means he's scared of it. I'm not sure, but um, I think you know strong run games, potential hangovers from either direction from both teams. I lean the under as well. I got to disagree wholeheartedly with both of you guys. Unfortunately, it pains me to say, Ooh. but. Give me the over. I, I love the over. I think both teams can easily get to 30. Um, obviously, Mizzou has been very impressive this year, kind of overperforming. I think Tennessee actually, I think they're also 7-2. and two. Is that what it is? Or 6-2? and 7-2 um, and two they are. But, uh, yeah, so, but the tough losses that they've had, you know, playing absolute, you know, mammoth teams as well in Alabama and Georgia, I believe, so. I think they're uh, they're gonna come out. They're gonna keep it up, keep up the flow they had going against paltry little UConn. Unfortunately, um, I think they can get up to 30, 35 points. And I think Mizzou just proved they can go pretty much toe to toe with anybody, Georgia included. So even though they lost that game by about you know I want to say ten or eleven, they were close pretty much ninety percent of the game. So I think they are pretty well coached. I don't know Mr. Drinkwitz that much, but uh, I guess he's uh, doing a fine job over there and. I think they can uh, can hang around with just about anybody. I don't think – I think the one-point spread really speaks to it, too. If that was – if one team was getting more or giving more, kind of says, you know, they're a little bit stronger or, or weaker on one side or the sure. other. But uh, I think it'll just be a constant battle. I think it'll be a very entertaining game. Awesome. And moving it out to the Pac-12, um, the still undefeated Washington Huskies hosting the Utes. Washington, uh, nine and a half point favorites at home. Total is 52 and a half. So they're expecting 31-21 game between these two teams. Um, Utah coming off a 55-3 to murder of Arizona State last weekend. Um, and then we all know what happened um, with Caleb Williams shedding a little bit of a tear against the Huskies last weekend. So, Maku, what do you, what do you like here? That's exactly what I was keeping in mind as well. I think um, 
yeah, Washington, or yeah, Washington coming off an absolute um, battle with USC. They're obviously going to have a hugely different defense in front of them. Um, you know, Utah and versus USC is literally night and day on the defensive side of the ball. So that will probably catch up to them a little bit. I think they can slow them down and keep them, you know, a little bit closer to like a 28 or 35 point performance. Um, but I know, you know, the Washington offense is still humming along. Even though they played a couple close games, you know, kind of a, a bit of a lull in the middle of the season, I think they've really showed out in that USC game kind of, I think, opened the door. That was probably one of their most nervous tests of the year. And they said once they got past them, obviously it's a, a challenge against any time you play Utah. They they are playing very well. And clearly Arizona State knows that all too well right now. But it's at home at Washington. If it was at Utah, I'd have probably a little bit of, of a different pick. But right now. I'm going to go Washington minus, is it nine and a half or 10 right around there? Nine and a half. There you go. I think Washington's D is still very, very solid as we've seen most of the year and their offense can just outpace Utah at a better clip. So yeah, mm-hmm. I'll uh, give away the 10 points or nine and a half and uh, go Husky. See what we can do. Well, I, yeah, I like Washington as well. I, I'm leaning the over in this one mainly because I mean, Utah, they're a very solid team. It is at Washington. So I think it's going to be played at their pace. They're going to score, but um, obviously from Utah's performance recently, Utah can score a little as well. So 52, um, obviously Utah will try to, um, you know, play their game, muddy it up a little bit, but I'm kind of with you, uh, Maku. I mean, while I don't know if I want to take them nine and a half, I do think Washington will handle this game. So I think there will be some points. So I'm going to lean the over. I like yeah, it. I do like a little teaser here. I won't do it, but a four, I think it's a four or six point teaser usually. Um, that'll get us to minus three and a half and then like over 46. That's pretty appealing. I feel, um, I feel like our loyal but, 10 listeners are probably like, you know what, Sammy? Good call. Don't do teasers anymore. <laughs> we had a tough yeah. run in the middle of the season there. Um. I'm looking at Utah dominating Arizona State last weekend by 52 points. Um, Washington beat Arizona State 15 to 7 a couple weeks ago. And it is a very interesting sort of common denominator between the two. So that sort of scared me away from a minus nine and a half initially. Um, Statistically, I was right with you, Maku. Utah is always usually at least in the top half of Pac-12 defenses or at least just very frequently going under. And in a lot of their stats, there are they are. But both of these both of these defenses allow a lot of big plays, um, specifically Utah. Both of these two teams, they're the bottom two in the Pac-12 in terms of second level yards, which is ultimately not open field yards, but pretty much yards per carry five to 10 yards past the line of scrimmage. So they allow big ish plays that open up some long drives um, in that stat specifically Utah's the second worst defense in the nation behind Georgia Southern. So I, Ooh. that, that, that favors Washington minus nine and a half as well. But to Chris's point, Utah can score if they need to, and I, they will definitely need to. And I like over 52 here. I love those little stat gems you just pull out of nowhere, Sammy. I give you a lot of credit for yeah, he just drops deep diving into, I love into it. the analytics. <laughs> I, it's the best part. It's what college, college football is here for. I love um, it. But 
there is also the chaos element of it too. So well, yeah, you have on paper one team is best in the country and one team is the absolute worst on defense. They'll still battle it out on the field and you'll end up losing all your money, which I've done several times this year. Anyway, that's neither. <laughs> Uh, second to last game here, kicking back to the SEC, Ole Miss um, versus Georgia at Georgia in Athens. Georgia are 10.5 point favorites. Total is 58.5, so Vegas is expecting 34 to 24. Georgia. Another top 10 matchup, correct? I believe so. If Yeah, Ole Miss is. Do we is, qualify as top 10 or are we top 11 right now? Yeah, we're, we're 10. Ole Miss is 9. So, yep. All right. Um, I love it. Georgia coming off that win against Mizzou that we talked about, and then Ole Miss uh, beat AM 38-35 in a shootout last weekend. Um, this is a conference game, but the last time these two teams played were 2016, which is interesting. Um, back then, I was looking at the box score of that game. Uh, Jacob Eason, Nick Chubb, and Sony Michelle on Georgia, and then o- – Ole Miss team, Chad Kelly and Evan Ingram. So a lot of some names from the past, but past being only six years ago. So um, Mm. spread wise, Georgia is still awful against the spread. They're one and seven this year against the spread. Ole Miss is seven and two. So something to keep in mind. But uh, Maku, what do you what do you read here? Uh, Interestingly enough, I don't think I've mentioned this at all at any point over the the podcast season or or any of the matchups we've talked about, but this one's going to come down strictly to coaching for me. I'm Mm. a big fan of uh, of Lane Kiffin's kind of off-the-field personality and his antics and storylines he always has surrounding him. The Lane train from a couple years ago at Mm -hmm. FAU was was always hilarious. (laughs) Exactly. Um, But I don't think if you have Kirby Smart going against Lane Kiffin, you're taking Kirby Smart 10 times out of 10. I think that's just a fact of life. I think that Kirby, even though his team is, you know, obviously they're still top three or four this year and haven't really slowed signs of slowing down. I think enough people in the college football landscape have kind of been, you know, they're not quite as dominant as the last couple of years. And that may be, I don't think they're putting up as high popping numbers on either side of the ball, but I think Ole Miss has had, uh, I saw the last five games, four of them were decided by either exactly three points or exactly seven points. Um, all wins for them, and then they had one cupcake win that was like by 35 or 40. But uh, they're going to be – they specialize in kind of surviving these tight games, and Georgia specializes in kind of crushing hopes and dreams throughout the SEC schedule. So I think that's exactly what happens to uh, to Ole Miss, unfortunately, and, and poor Lane. But, uh, you know, they're going to go probably 10-2 and two and have a phenomenal year. So nothing to scoff at for them. But, uh, yeah, Bulldogs all the way here. Uh, I, I – I... I'm leaning that way as well. I mean, it's one of those things, like you said, Sam, they, they have not been good against the spread. Chris just However, hates agreeing with me today, too. <laughs> Every time I finish my, my little rant, he's like, ah, well, yeah, same here. <laughs> well, it's also tough. When, I, I do feel bad when I don't have too much else to offer. I think that's more of where that tone comes from. But um, Thanks, man. Take I love agreeing with you, bro. Anyway, um. Yeah, I mean, I like Lane. I want Ole Miss. I like the Lane train. Um, if it was in the Grove in uh, Oxford, maybe it'd be a little different. Um, but I do think, despite the one and seven against the spread record, I mentioned it last week. It just—I don't know—you get that feeling that Georgia's starting to pull it together here. Um, I think they'll cover. That's what I'm going to lean as well. Um, and 
if you guys don't mind, I'm going to read off a few fun facts about the mascot. Can I take a second? Ooh. I know Ole Miss has like 30 of them, so feel free. Yes, yes. Well, no, we're talking Ugga. The, the, ah. Yes, the mascot of Georgia. So I'm sure a lot, you know, all of you know the bulldog, the English bulldog that is their mascot. His name is Ugga. He, um, there have been 11 of them. And looking on, um, you know, Wikipedia, at, the first Ugga was quite thin, actually. So these now they're a lot pudgier. But anyway, he was given, um, he or he was. Uh, the, it started in 1956 when an alum who was a uh, his last name was Siler um, brought the the dog to the game and the coach they won. The coach was like, "Hey, can this be our official mascot?" And this guy, he sounds like he's just like a super fan like us three, and he lives in Savannah, Georgia. The Siler family has owned and then taken. Uga one through 11 from Savannah to Athens for every single game um, since 1956. He has his own, right? He has his dog lived on campus more royally than the football team. Well, he does live royally. He, um, he does have his own student ID card. He has a, (laughs) um, a custom air conditioned um, dog house and sideline, right? What's that? Isn't it on the sideline or somewhere on the field, right? Yes, yes. And, um, yeah, he does live kind of like a king. Um, he receives varsity letters in the form of a plaque that I'm sure he enjoys putting up in the house. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, he lives a good life. I thought I had something else, but it's not coming to me. So, Uga, he's cute. He's cool. Um, and I really thought they were just a mascot, but it's just some super fan. Their family just brings him you know, I would imagine that's probably what a three hour drive, give or take. And just every game he goes up there and, Oh, and he stays in the hotels with the team for road games. Love that. I was going to say, I think a lot of college football fans know the, know who Uga is and that he's got a fancy little doghouse on the sideline. I don't think anybody knew that he was being, I mean, obviously the Georgia diehards, but I don't think that many people knew he was being transported, what, 75 miles or so, or, a few yeah. hours to the to the game every weekend. So, shout out the uh, the family taking care of him. That's great. Do you think uh, Mike the Tiger over at LSU was kind of a one upsmanship by uh, by those guys over in Louisiana when they're like, "Oh, you have a bulldog? We got a tiger." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I drive a tiger four hours from Shreveport. What do you do? <laughs> See, that'd be incredible if they were commuting uh, Mike the Tiger around. <laughs> but good fact, I respect it. Thank you. Thank you. Last one here. I feel like we're hopping across the country back to the Pac-12. Snip, snap. We got USC, the the train wreck that is USC's um, (laughs) season right now at Oregon. Oregon. They fired their defensive coordinator, Alex Grinch, (laughs) out the door. That'll fix it. Yeah, Yeah. you could hire us and we do just as good. (laughs) That's true. Give me a Madden play sheet. Oregon minus 15, total 73. So expecting some points, obviously. 44-29 is the expected uh, score here. So this line did start at minus 13 for Oregon, so has moved a little bit in the direction. Oregon coming off a 63-19 to blowout of Cal. Um, Chris, what do, you, what do you like here on the last game here? I really like um, 
I really like Oregon. I I think, well, I mean, I and I'm I'm just so out on Caleb Williams. I'm done with him. I mean, I he's obviously talented, but you know the the more you look around, I just you know they they have Lincoln Riley, they have Caleb Williams, and they just put up points. Um, but you know it's just. Maybe I'm spoiled because they just put up points, you know, constantly, but they just don't impress me. Like some of those receivers and stuff, they don't really have that it guy. And I think so a lot of it is his ability, but I'm still just out on him. I like Oregon a lot. I really think, I think they're a top four team in the country. I'm going to take them minus 15 here. Um, Unfortunately, I'm looking at their calendar or schedule. I mean, are they in separate divisions or? Or is it just top two teams for the Pac-12? I think this year is the top two, which is why it's probably just going to be Oregon-Washington. Okay, so it doesn't really matter as long as they keep winning, which I think they might. Um, but... Even less motivation for Caleb. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I don't really have a lot, honestly, other than that. <laughs> I think Oregon's really good. Um, and it's at Oregon. USC, you know, I, I, I may be wrong, but they just strike but they're probably going to go in quit mode soon so i'm with oregon i was going to say i kind of i wrote down my thoughts on this game i said the spread was wild i think at the beginning of the year even 13 would have been shocking to see so um you know i thought a lot of people probably would have figured this was close to a minus three or even like a pick them with the hype that both teams had early on going um but oregon's just like they're you know you said usc is kind of in soon to quit mode i think oregon's fully in juggernaut mode and they are just destroying teams i think even a few weeks ago or maybe a month ago cal went down to the wire with uh could have been usc could have been somebody else i was just saw kind of the box score but they were you know putting up like 55 to 49 kind of scores and uh oregon went in and took care of business 66 to 19 so um that's incredible to see it's definitely going to be the ducks i think usc is still going to put up the points but not nearly enough, but um, Sammy, what did I say at the very beginning of the year? Uh, over. Overs, like obviously. Ago, I, like two months ago, you were forgiven, but always bet the USC <laughs> over. This this matchup is just this. I mean, we what was it? The Colorado game hit ninety points, and obviously yep. the Washington game last week hit ninety eight or something like that. So we got to keep it going. It's just uh, it's too it's too much of a perfect storm. USC. We'll probably get slowed down. Oregon's a way better defense than they've been seeing. But, again, a new defensive coordinator of the 85 Bears isn't walking through the door there. So they need to, uh, <laughs> they need to just deal with it and accept that they're going to go probably 8-4, and four, potentially 7-5, and five, which would be a huge downturn from the expectations. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I like the over as well. My, my official pick was <clears throat> minus 15 for Oregon. Um, Oregon has a slightly better defense than Washington. Obviously, both of these, both Washington and USC were in the 40s last week when they played against each other, um, as well as the CFP motivation and being at home. I think that there's just a lot of factors coming in here to lead to Oregon winning by 20 or so. Um, so I like Oregon minus 15. I think they'll kind of just send a message and I don't even know how much Caleb actually cares anymore. So, um, excited to watch, but I'm, I'm, I'm expecting points as well. So hopefully we both win on that one. Very true. 
And yeah, I wouldn't say I kind of disagree with Chris, but also kind of agree with him. I don't say I'm fully out on Caleb Williams. Obviously, he's pretty much a transcendent talent who's the most surefire number one in many, many years. But um, yeah, you think back to all like his Heisman moments of last year and his highlight reels of this year, and it's pretty much every time he's just running around like a chicken with his head cut off <laughs> behind the, the O-line, yeah. like somebody's yeah. about to get him, and then he squeezes away and finds oh, he's somebody great. who's wide open 70 yards downfield. So I think that's a big thing, too. Oregon's not going to let these guys get wide open 50 yards, 70 yards down the field, and they're going to probably pick them off a couple times. So, yeah, I am uh, I think could be. I don't want to use the T word, but could be, you know, moving the line in a couple different directions, get the over with the lower line and the uh, and the Ducks mm. with the, a little better spread. But tease, I'm, tease. Not, I'm not aware of that term. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, no, I think that may be uh, – it'll be fun late night viewing. That's all that matters. I like Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Actually, is it late night? Is it seven o'clock, or is it like two thirty or three thirty games? No, pretty sure it's a late one. Perfect. That'll be fun to either nurse our hangovers or get our voices back after the uh, Penn State Michigan belt. Let me double check though. Um, oh yeah, ten thirty. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> we may not stay awake, All right. Yeah, we may not be awake, but anyway. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I got a list of a quick couple minor games too if you guys want to go through them yeah go for it spend a whole whole lot of time on any i got a Uh, parlay at the end whoa uh i want to give a quick shout out to um actually no i'm gonna look i'm gonna leave this for chris because it's his squad but let's just say i was going to shout out rock chalk but let me start here i think fsu we were just talking about the beginning number four team but probably in for it's not going to be north alabama but i think they're in for a little bit of a battle against miami I think okay. uh, they're giving 14 and a half points, but I think Miami's kind of shaking the, the crap out of their system from the last couple of weeks that they've been going through some ups and downs. And I think they're just going to give FSU everything they got. And if not Miami, then I think that huge marquee match at Florida, Florida state, obviously Florida in a big down year, but it's in the swamp and pretty much anything can happen there. So I think FSU has a couple battles to, uh, to go through. And then, um, Another one, Clemson off a, a huge win over Notre Dame, who turned out to be pretty fraudulent over the year, I guess. But they are going to another big-time kind of classic old-school college football matchup versus Georgia Tech. Um, and I think Georgia Tech's been kind of hot lately, but every time I start to pay attention to them, they absolutely fall on their face. So this will probably be another moment of that, but that is a very interesting game. And then the last one, just a uh, bigger shout-out to Arizona, who – looked oh. absolutely positively awful at the beginning of the year. I think they were like two and three or one and three even, but then rattled off three straight ranked wins against Washington state, Oregon state last week, UCLA. They're now six and three. They're going to face Colorado. Like we touched on before that could be an actually very good game. I think Colorado could score, but Arizona still pulls away and wins. So some more late night appointment viewing there. Well, that was, um, Okay. Um, oh, sorry, Sam. Can I go? Go for it. All right. Well, you kind of stole the Arizona thought. I I, am... le- I left you your, your your crown jewel though. I left you your crown jewel. Well, who? Rock, rock buddy. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I wanted to hear you say it. Um. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's just scary. sorry i'm so distracted right now i'm trying to find all right arizona spread is 10 arizona spread is 10 over colorado give me that arizona 
Colorado over, is whatever it is. Yeah, I'm not sure what it is, but I'll do that. I, I'd be down for that too. Um, yeah, so I like Arizona. They're trending in the right direction. Colorado is trending in the wrong direction. Ten points, even though it's on the road. You know, Migos and Little Wayne are not coming to the games anymore. It's not as rowdy. Um, Arizona, I'm taking that one. Also, because they were the ones making it rowdy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, they yes. That's <laughs> they, true. They, they, they turned they up. Showed up. They showed um, up. Also, NC State Wake Forest, and I really just honestly wanted to call this one out because um, obviously we talked about Bedlam. That's been going on 120 years, something like that. One of the longest standing rivalries in all of college football. That's going away, unfortunately. The one that's left over, NC State Wake Forest, they have been going over 100 years as well. Um, So I really just wanted to give that a shout out. I do think this is at Wake Forest. This is low scoring. I the the uh spread the the total on this is 45. I think that's low for a reason. Wake Forest isn't slinging it around like they did with Sam Hartman, so I'm going to take the under on that one. Um I also have a few others that we talked about already. Um you talked about Georgia Tech. I think Clemson's trending in the right direction. I'd probably lean minus 14 with Clemson at home. Um, As Davo said, buy stock now. Buy stock now. <laughs> Dude, it's not like you're a penny stock. You were literally yeah. you're like if Walmart went through a crisis. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, buy today. stock now. It'll go up yeah. 0.02%. Um, you're Apple. Yeah, so um, yeah, those were the ones that stood out to me that we didn't already talk about. All right, I got a. Anyone, anyone's on your radar? Oh, and got... Kansas, Rock Chalk, go oh, for yeah, it. Oh yeah, I was gonna say we skipped right over it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, plus or minus whatever. What are they? Three and a half. <laughs> Does it uh, matter? I don't know what it is. Yeah. I think it might be. And also, I was reading up on something that somebody really liked Texas Tech, but I don't care. So yeah. Um, <laughs> They're wrong. <laughs> They're wrong. Kansas out of a big letdown potential spot last week after the big Oklahoma upset went into Ames, Iowa, um, and snuck away with the win, 28-21. Probably some potential calls that could have gone uh, some other ways um, for for some folks who are uh, Cyclone fans, unfortunately. Ames, but, yeah. Yeah, but Kansas is now on the doorstep of going 10-2, and two, and Lance Leopold is going to be a very, very rich man, richer than Kansas is ever going to get to. Although they did just make Bill Self the uh, most highest paid basketball coach. So they so. can't pay Lance anymore. <laughs> That's true. Right, I've... Lance, we can offer you 40 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> I got you a dollar. I've, I've legit never seen a lifetime contract at least advertised that way. And it seems that that's what Bill Self got. So good on him. I think Calipari is the uh, is at least one of the other ones. Kentucky. Yeah. Um, that's the only one that I can, comes to mind. Um. I got a fun little five leg parlay. I'm sure. Yep. I'm oh, sure we will five. have we will have plenty this weekend. Um, but looking at some games, um, so ultimately this five leg parlay is plus twenty five hundred. Um, Chris, I'm glad you brought up the NC State Wake game. Um, a lot has changed. I, I was at the NC State Miami game last weekend, and they looked. Very good, honestly. Um, and Miami also looked very bad um, in that game. So 
NC State, their starting quarterback decided to redshirt uh, in week 11. So they are bringing That's unbelievable. They are bringing back Brendan Armstrong, inter- interception machine, Ooh. and traveling to Wake. They always stumble up at Wake, and being a low-scoring game, I could see this just being a last-second field goal for Wake to win. They are two and a half point underdogs, so I'm doing them as a money line. Sorry, Megan, don't kill me. Um, and then. Fresno State, one loss Fresno State is a one-point favorite at San Jose State, who is four and five. So I don't even know anything about that game, but that's a stinky line. Something's up. I was was gonna say easy, easy. That one's (laughs) no. It's easy. It's it's a no-brainer. And similar to that one, Oklahoma State, they are minus one and a half at UCF as well. Um, so another one the, the public's going to love Oklahoma mm-hmm. State off of that bedlam and I am the public <laughs> <laughs> he was like who's the consumer I'm the consumer <laughs> so we got the uh, Fresno one I am the <laughs> <laughs> we got the Fresno one we got the Wake one and then the Oklahoma State um, SMU um, they are home against North Texas minus 17 SMU, I shared it with y'all earlier this week. They are one of four teams in the country this year with a top 10 offense and defense. Um, They have the capability of blowout teams. They've blown out Temple by 60 and uh, Tulsa by 60. So I think think blowing out North Texas at home is very possible for good old Sonny Dykes. Or no, he's at uh, TCU now, but never mind. Same thing. Um, very on brand for SMU to all, all of a sudden emerge as a powerhouse again as soon as we can start legally paying players. <laughs> exactly, now, yeah. Fitting. That, by the way, that screams over to me though. North Texas SMU. I, I that just well sounds high remember remember halfway through the season, um, I I randomly brought up North Texas are over machines where like they fly the yeah. fl- fly over the total by like twenty points. They were five and zero on overs at that point. They are now five and four. They have gone under on the Never last mind. four games because <laughs> I thought that as well. But speaking of points, the last leg of this parlay under twenty eight. Rutgers, Don't Iowa. Do Don't do it. It yeah. <laughs> screams, screams excitement. Um, I am excited for three zero. Offensive and defensive explosiveness, these are the bottom two teams in the entire country in terms of not letting up big plays and not creating big plays. So, And we saw Rutgers can't score in the red zone. They had to settle for like three 18-yard field goals. Yep. So it's just screaming it. I, I can't resist. I am the public. So hammer the plus 2,500. That game is so unexplosive, it could get through TSA without a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. But, uh, I mean, yeah. Uh, you know my little my play that I've done, and it's worked for all these super low, like critically low, like historically low unders. They just get the little 10-point tease actions, and you get that down to literally both teams just need to score a touchdown. So it worked in that Wrigley game last, uh, last year. I put a over 13 at halftime. And I think they luckily both came out and scored a touchdown. I look like a hero, but um, but no, I do I do respect that play. I think that's a lot of that's a fun game to cheer for the under actually. Yeah, I like that, Sam. I like that. Except Fresno. Some I'm gonna look into that one. That one's fishy. 
Yeah, maybe like they don't have a quarterback or something. Yeah, he tore his ACL. <laughs> <laughs> they transferred to, or he uh, redshirted to. Yeah. How do you redshirt in your 11th week of the season? He's like, hey, I'm not Never mind. I'm, I'm going to go back to class now. See you later. He's like, this isn't the year. I'll try again. <laughs> <laughs> That's what JT Daniels has been doing his entire college career. There yeah. was one guy on Western Michigan last night I was watching. He's in his eighth year of college football, and he scored a touchdown for Western Michigan, which, by the way, was very similar. Uh, Central Michigan is like five and five and three or something. And, and then Western Michigan only had three wins. They were uh, one point favorites at home and handled central. Unfortunately, um, Tuesday night match for you, buddy. I know, but yeah, eight years. I mean, get a job. Like <laughs> <laughs> he's trying <laughs> Let him come back and play football. That's true. The Toronto oh, Argonauts are calling. <laughs> All righty. That's, that's, that's all the fun facts I got. Yep. Zach. Good week, boys. Yeah, good week. We'll be up in State College and see you all on Friday. But um, what do we Keep always say, Makoo? Live content. If it's, uh, if it's tears, or, tears or beers. Um, but either way, don't, uh, don't count the weeks. Make the weeks count. And this is the biggest one. All right. Have Later, a good boys. week, everybody.